Good evening, good evening, good evening. I'm on for another podcast. Tonight, I'm going to take a totally different direction. This is in lieu of the tragedy that happened over the weekend at Talladega with the noose being found in the garage of Bubba Wallace. So I want to pull up a report that was issued February the 1st, 2017 by Jane Rogers. It says, an auto racing legacy. Meet the black American racers. As a kid, Leonard W. Miller secretly tinkered with his parents' car for almost a year before they noticed he'd been replacing parts under the hood. Found a new outlet when neighbors moved in next door and let Lynn help prepare their 1939 Ford Coupe convertible hot rod for races on the local drag strip. When he spent more time working on his own car, his own 1940 Ford Club Coupe convertible instead of studying for his classes at Pennsylvania's Westchester State Teachers College. His mom made him sell his hot rod, but his passion for race cars wasn't going anywhere. Lynn went on to challenge the primarily white world of auto racing to make room for African-American team owners, crews, mechanics, and drivers. He formed Miller Brothers Racing with his brother Dexter and Kenny Wright as their driver, won dozens of times during the 1969-1971 racing seasons. In 1973, Lynn launched Vanguard Racing Incorporated and became the first African-American owner to enter a driver in the Indy 500. Lynn found John Mailer, a white driver who had run in the Indianapolis 500 to show Benny Scott the ropes in the hopes that Scott would drive in the Indy 500. Benny Scott was an African-American race car driver whose father Bill Bullitt Scott raced in the California Black Auto Circuit in the 1930s. John Mailer, not Benny Scott, was behind the wheel for the Indy 500 of 1972. The Indy 500 didn't allow a black driver to enter the race until 1991. In 1973, Lynn founded the Black American Racers Association known as BARA, B-A-R-A, with Wendell Scott, Ron Hines, and Malcolm Durham to unify African Americans involved in all types of motorsports, stock car, open wheel, and drag racing. Stock car racing uses cars that can be bought by the general public with car parts readily available, such as the cars used in NASCAR racing. Open wheel racing uses cars with the wheels mounted outside of the main body of the car, like those found at the Indianapolis 500. Drag racing involves two cars racing from a standing start on a measured flat track. Later that same year, Vanguard Racing became Black American Racers Incorporated, BAR, and was operated by members of BARA. The racing program was built around Benny Scott, 
as the sole driver. He raced open wheel for Barr until 1976 when he bought his own car to race on the West Coast. In 1976, Barra member Tommy Thompson would become the driver for Barr after Scott's departure. Tragically, Thompson was killed in a raceway accident on the Trenton Speedway in 1978. As a result of Thompson's death, Barr began entering stock car races in 1980. Despite the switch to stock car racing, Barr, the Black American Racers Association, lay dormant through the 1980s, and eventually interest in the organizations faded. This is when Lynn's son, Leonard T. Lenny Miller, decided to join the family business and become co-owner of the Miller Racing Group with his father. Miller Racing Group, MRG, pursued the more popular NASCAR racing and over the course of about 10 years was sponsored by General Motors, Sunco, Dr. Pepper, and others. In what was standard operating procedure for Lynn Anbar and now MRG, white-owned corporate sponsors wanted to help African-American race teams, but only for half the price they were offering white teams. Eventually, Lynn's tenacity won out and Barr was given full sponsorship money but attracting equal sponsorship will remain a challenge for Lynn, his son, and other African-American race teams. MRG won many races during the late 1990s and early 2000s, but after sponsorship began to dwindle, they left racing in 2006. I look forward to sharing more about these wonderful objects through our blog, post, and our museum's website, in coming months. Once again, the contributing author of this story was Jane Rogers. This was published in February the 1st, 2017. And this was basically an article on African-American racers and pretty much the contribution that they made in auto racing, even though there was a time where they were not permitted to. And that's a brief history on African-Americans in auto racing. And that sound you just heard was a video being played of the support that Bubba Wallace received in lieu of the noose being found in his garage. 
it's a video you would have to see because the words I can give you to describe it wouldn't do it any justice. But it was an incredible rally of support and an equally incredible show of unity. Bubba Wallace said the sport is changing in front of a horde of NASCAR fans, many of whom were wearing Black Lives Matter and I Can't Breathe t-shirts after an emotional race Monday at Talladega Speedway in Lincoln, Alabama. Wallace, NASCAR's only black full-time driver, was joined by all 39 other drivers and their crews in a march down pit road as they pushed his number 43 to the front of the line in the moments before the race. The gesture came one day after a noose was found in Wallace's garage stall. When the group reached the front line Monday, Wallace climbed out of his car and wept. If not for a shortage of fuel, Wallace might have had a chance to race for the win. A late stop for gas led to a 14th place finish. But Monday felt like a win for Wallace. He went to the fence and through the wiring slapped hands with a group of fans as they cheered. He apologized for not wearing a mandatory mask but said he didn't put it on because I want to show whoever it was you're not going to take away my smile. This sport is changing, he said. The pre-race deal was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to witness in my life. From all the supporters, from the drivers, to crew members, everybody here, the badass fan base, thank you guys for coming out. This is truly incredible, and I'm glad to be a part of this sport. Ryan Blaney, who won Monday's race in a photo finish, said, Wallace has been one of his best friends for 15 years, and he called the pre-race show of support a special moment. And it showed how you're not going to scare Wallace. You're not going to scare him, Blaney, told ESPN Scott Van Pelt. He's really strong. He's going to rise above it and fight this. So we just want to show our support. I want to show my support for my best friend. He's just been someone I've really loved for a long time, and I'm going to support him 100% along the way for me many years to come. I hope a lot of people will look at that and learn from everyone coming together and supporting each other. That's what it's going to take to make things better. The idea for the gesture came up Monday. Jimmy Johnson said in a driver's chat that he was staying with Wallace during the national anthem. Then Ken Harvick shared the idea that the driver should push Wallace's car to the front. I'm happy to play a role in it. I want to. I know I need to, Johnson said after his 13th place finish. And I feel like to see the garage area stand up as they have as well in the last few weeks. And then again today, it's sending a very strong message. And I'm proud of our sport. Standing alongside Wallace for the national anthem was Richard Petty, the 82-year-old Hall of Fame driver known as the King. Wallace drives the number 43 Chevrolet for Petty, who issued a gathering, a scathing rebuke after the noose was found 
calling for the sick person to be expelled from NASCAR forever, a move that NASCAR President Steve Phelps insisted will happen when the person is caught. Sources told ESPN's Marty Smith that Perry Petty decided to travel to Talladega after the news was found and that he said, the most important thing for me right now is hugging my driver. This marked the first race Petty had attended since the sport was shut down because of the coronavirus pandemic. Workers painted, I stand with Bubba Wallace on the infield grass before Monday's race, which was postponed from Sunday because of inclement weather. Two weeks ago, Wallace successfully pushed NASCAR to ban the Confederate flag at its venues, though the sanctioning body has not outlined how it will enforce the restriction. Disgruntled fans with Confederate flags drove past the main entrance to the Alabama racetrack prior to Sunday's race and flew a plane above the track pulling a banner of the flag that read, Defund NASCAR. Hours after the race was postponed by rain, NASCAR said the noose had been found. The sanctioning body vowed to do everything possible to find who was responsible for responsible and eliminate them from the sport. Wallace said in a statement Sunday that he was incredibly saddened by the act. Alabama Governor Kay Ivey said she was shocked and appalled by the vile act against Wallace and Alabama native. There is no place for this disgusting display of hatred in our state, Ivy said. Bubba Wallace is one of us. He is a native of, Al- of Mobile. And on behalf of all Alabamans, I apologize to Bubba Wallace as well as to his family and friends for the hurt this has caused and regret the mark this leaves on our state. Talladega County Sheriff Jimmy Kilgore said NASCAR contacted the FBI, which is handling the investigation. The FBI field office in Birmingham, Alabama, did not immediately return messages left by the Associated Press. Officials at Sonoma Raceway in California said Monday that they're looking into what could be a similar incident after a piece of twine tied in that appeared to be a noose was found hanging from a tree on Raceway property on Saturday. The track's president said the incident is under investigation by the Sonoma County Sheriff's Department. After Monday's race at Talladega Super Speedway, Arik Almarola, who finished third, said he was speechless when he found out that a noose had been found in Wallace's garage stall. So you see people lash out and show signs of evil and darkness, and it just comes from a bad place, Almarola said. And I think the most important thing you can respond with that is light and love, and showing how to stand up and how to show positivity and have a heart. And I feel like, as an industry, that's what we did today. Former NASCAR driver Dale Earnhardt Jr. took to Twitter to offer his support for Wallace in the wake of Sunday's incident. He tweeted, I don't worry about our sport. I have confidence NASCAR's leadership will find who did this and continue pushing us in the right direction. I don't worry about Bubba. I hope Bubba is feeling loved and supported. 
Keep sending him that love and support. He needs it now more than ever. Lewis Hamilton, Formula One's only black driver and his reigning champion, also offered his support via Instagram. It's disgusting that this is happening. Stay safe and alert out there, bro, Hamilton wrote. Supporting you from afar. Proud of you. After the race, Monday, Wallace said he is going to keep on trucking and looks forward to racing next weekend at Pocono Raceway. Hey, I'm still smiling, he said. Long week ahead of me? Probably a couple of weeks. Probably a couple of months. So I'll be ready for Pocono. There you have that story on Bubba Wallace and the show of support from NASCAR. If you are a Dallas Cowboy fan, we have some news for you. Cowboys QB Dak Prescott signs exclusive franchise tender. The Dallas Cowboys have officially received Dak Prescott's signed $31.4 million exclusive franchise tender, a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter. The two sides have until July 15 to work out a long-term deal. Otherwise, one cannot be done until after this season. News of Prescott's intention to sign the tender first broke on Sunday. The quarterback appeared to make reference to the signing with an Instagram post later Monday. Prescott's decision eliminates the worst-case scenario for the team. The quarterback missing training camp and signing right before the season opener. A strategy Prescott clearly never intended to pursue as he will now be required to attend training camp. The fact Prescott will be one of the highest paid players in the NFL and the potential his franchise tag increases by a mandatory 20% next season to $37.7 million with a flat or lower cap in 2021 is the incentive for the Cowboys to secure a long-term deal before July 15th. Said one source of the pressure on the Cowboys, their problem is the second year because this salary cap is going to crash unless there's an intermediate deal. They would have to gut their team to keep him in, keep him then. So there's even more incentive for the Cowboys to do a long-term deal with Dak because of the coronavirus and where the cap might be next year. Cowboys owner Jerry Jones and executive vice president Stephen Jones have repeatedly expressed their belief that Prescott is the team's quarterback of the future and capable of leading the franchise back to a Super Bowl. Prescott, who turns 27 on July 29th, has said on multiple occasions that he never wanted to leave the Cowboys. So it looked like Dak will be in training camp. He will be under center first game of the season. So as Cowboy fans, you can breathe a sigh of relief. But in the end, you hope they can get 
a long-term deal done, and all sides will be happy.